0: Welcome, back. Welcome to the Round Guy, the podcast, uh, along with Mr. Southeast Iowa, Dave Johnson, and a special guest uh, for both Dave and I. We're talking baseball. It's not too early, uh, but it has been too late. We we uh, have missed, because of the pandemic, uh, so much baseball, and, and we're uh, happy to be able to come back at least to talk minor league baseball. Our guest today, Randy Hoffauer. Wehofer. And uh, am I pronouncing that right, Randy? Wehofer. Wehofer. I apologize. Randy Wehofer, who is now the voice of the Iowa Cubs. And we're getting ready because in April, the minor leagues are able to play, but the major leaguers are still at the, at the uh, uh, table and trying to discuss a way to amicably. Uh, wrap up this uh, lockout that's been going on. Randy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And And start off by telling us and explaining to our listeners why the minor leaguers can
1: can play ball while the major
0: leaguers are still kind of locked out. Sure.
1: So, yeah, the, the good news is, is our season is, is not in danger because of this. Uh, and after losing the 2020 season to the uh, pandemic, all the major league people uh, can't afford to lose another season of development for, for their youngest prospects. So, uh, you know, the lockout is instituted by the owners and that only pertains to the players in the union. And the only players that are technically in the union are the ones on the 40 man roster. Uh, All the minor leaguers are not part of the major league baseball players association until you get added to that 40 man roster. Uh, and typically at AAA, there are four to five players at any one time on the 40-man roster who are with us who are not needed on the active 26-man roster at that time. So there may be a handful of guys that would have been in AAA to begin the year that would be locked out, but they have enough players to fill in for them uh, that we would field a team. The Cubs' top prospect, Brendan Davis, is not yet a member of that 40-man roster to start his major league service time. Uh, So lockout or no lockout, um, the anticipation is that he'll be back with us to begin the year where he finished the the 2021 season uh, for us and won the Cubs Minor League Player of the Year Buck O'Neill Award uh, and is one of the top prospects in all the baseball, not just in the Cubs system. So we're excited to have him as a uh, a foundational piece for what people can look forward to on the field uh, as the Cubs look to reshape their system and their roster after all the trades last summer. It, it, tell us this player's name again, and what position he plays. Brennan Davis. He's an outfielder. Uh, he was the uh, MVP of the uh, Futures game uh, that they host with the, the, the minor leaguers, and, and won the Home Run Derby. Uh, he's a he's a terrific player, great athlete, young guy. Uh, you know, still has some some polish to to put on, but uh, you know, he came and. I think he hit three home runs in his first two games with us last year when he came up from A and made a good first impression. And he's one of those guys that the, the Cubs will look to build around here in, in, in the next go-round go for trying to put together a, a playoff team. And when does the Iowa Cubs begin their season? Sometime in April, I assume? Yeah, our first game is scheduled for April 5th in Buffalo, uh, if the weather permits, our first home game. Uh, at principal park is scheduled for tuesday april the 12th uh, and we are back to a 72 game home schedule and there are rumors mm-hmm. of three more games being added here soon uh in september that would take us to 75 home games we have been at 72 for a long time uh major league baseball reduced it to 70 oh. to help with travel and off days and uh the crunch of the the season but now we've uh, started playing deeper into September. They've changed the rules about how many guys you can call up in, the, in, in September to the major leagues. Uh, so now there's a desire to keep more guys active longer in case they're needed in the playoff race. So uh, we're going to play into the third and fourth week of September almost right up until the end of the major league season. Uh, so we've, we've got uh, a few more weeks tacked on, and you know, weather in September is terrific uh, in this part of the country. So we're we're pleased to be able to have some more games.
0: Randy Wayhofer is our guest. He is the voice of the Iowa Cubs, and we're talking about their upcoming season that will happen. Uh, Does that mean, then, Randy, that they are uh, pitchers, catchers already getting ready
1: to report to spring training, then? Possibly. Usually the minor league guys don't report until a few weeks after the major league guys, Uh, so that deadline may be not as urgent um, as it would be for what we're used to seeing uh, for the major league team. But I would suspect that even if the lockout were to linger, that there's a desire to have spring training games as they were scheduled for TV and tickets and all the things that that, that go uh, along with that. So um, I'm sure they're communicating that with, with the players. So it may not be middle of February, probably closer to the end of February for the players that will be Iowa Cubs to begin the year. But uh, yeah, they better be ready. I think that's one of the things uh, that the game has changed. You know, spring training used to be the time when players who weren't making more money than the average person, uh, you know, would go work construction or other jobs in the off season. And spring training was the time they needed to get reacclimated to being a baseball player. Well, these guys are baseball players twelve months out of the year, uh, and it's their job essentially to be in shape and and to to do those things. So I think you can make the argument that spring training. May start a little bit too early for what's necessary, so I think they have some wiggle room to be ready to start the season on time and, and have a good product for for April. Um, you know, they don't ask my opinion on those things, but I, I give it in conversations like this. So, um, you know, I, I think th- there seems to be some traction in the negotiations recently, and and I hope they they are able to figure it out uh, and that everybody can can get back to action here uh, pretty soon. Now,
0: the major leaguers uh, spring train in Arizona, and, and I believe the minor leaguers,
1: do they uh, have spring training in Orlando? Uh, no, they're all in the same place. Oh. All the major league teams and their minor league affiliates have spring training oh. in the same location. So there's typically a, a major league stadium where they play the games that you'll see highlights from on television. Then there's a major league practice field that typically mimics, uh, at least in dimension, your home ballpark you know they don't put the ivy and the brick walls and things up but it plays the same depth as a wrigley for drills and relays and all the things they do in spring training and then adjacent is uh, uh a cloverleaf uh just like you'd see at rec rec centers for youth sports of, of four diamonds where the, all the home plates uh are in one spot and Development people can sit in a tower and, and watch all of their different levels play at the at the same time. So you know, there's, there's separate facilities within the training area for the clubhouses on the major league side, the minor league side, but they're all in one big place. Uh, and for the guys who cross over a little bit, they may bounce back and forth between major league and minor league spring training. Um, and then as guys get sent out of major league camp because they're not going to make the opening day roster, they just go across the hall to the minor league side uh, and, and begin getting acclimated uh, with their potential AAA or AA teammates or wherever they may be headed. So all of the major league teams have their minor leaguers, uh, I'd say under the same roof, uh, which is a little bit of misnomer for the field being outside, but uh, in the same complex and, and working together throughout spring training. Well, I know the Cubs, uh, do,
0: they, do they still have a, a minor league affiliate in Orlando?
1: Uh, No, not any longer. Orlando doesn't have a minor league team at all anymore, actually. Uh, The Cubs minor league system includes us at Triple-A. Double-A is uh, just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, High-A is in South Bend, Indiana. And single-A is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, And they have, uh, when Major League Baseball took over, minor League Baseball eliminated the short season uh, affiliates when they went from 160 to 120 teams, uh, and they just play some other things out of the complex after the draft. Okay,
0: I, I, I remember the Cubs having an
1: affiliate there in Orlando, but they you say they were uh, disposed of? Uh, a while. It, was some... it was even before that. They were in Daytona more recently than Orlando. Uh, they were the Daytona Cubs for a long time. Uh, and they left Daytona, uh, I think, five or six years ago to go to Myrtle Beach. Okay. Do you know the managers of those minor league affiliates at this time? Uh, they have not formally announced uh, who the, those are. Uh, Marty Peavy is expected to be back with us. It would be his 10th season here. Uh, and I think Mark Johnson was at AA. Uh, uh, Buddy Bailey is still in the system. I think he was at Myrtle Beach last year. Uh, I believe there may be a, a change coming at, at South Bend because I thought that uh that person whose name is escaping me off the top of my head got another job in another organization uh for for something else. So I I think those would be pretty consistent names from from what I'm hearing. Okay, was it was it Jody Davis? Uh Jody is uh he lives in Tennessee uh, and is no longer managing in the Cubs system. He did some T V. Uh, last year, uh, we were part of the Marquee Sports Network, the Cubs' new cable channel, uh, for about 14 games. And then later in the season, they did a handful of games with the other minor league affiliates. And Jody did some other commentary with the broadcaster at AA Tennessee for their games. But he is no longer uh, in uniform uh, for the Cubs at the minor league level. Well, that's too bad. You know, I've always enjoyed when when former major leaguers –
0: were appointed managers of some of the minor league teams and, and to watch them in their managerial career. And that uh, still
1: happens quite a bit. Um, yeah. Jody, Jody decided to get off the bus. Uh, I see. And, and, and I see. There was
0: uh, several seasons there in Des Moines when Ryan Sandberg was managing. Were you there at
1: that time? Yeah, he was here in 2010. Uh, and I, I had the chance to work with him and, and, and be around him. Uh, and That was quite the experience of, mm-hmm. Uh, really seeing firsthand what that what that life is like, uh, going on the road and and the people lined up every day to meet him and, and get an autograph and um, you know the way the way Sandberg handled that and and juggled uh, not wanting to hold the team bus up uh, but making people happy as as best that he could and uh, he was awesome. You know, if I was I grew up in suburban Chicago. I was nine years old when that '84 team captured the imagination of, of the entire town and, and his MVP season. So, um, you know, to fast forward and have the chance to ride the bus with him and, and be around uh, the team and, and be on the field for BP and share some stories and do some interviews uh, was was a lot of fun and certainly a great appreciation for the way he was able to balance. Um, accepting that uh, people wanted a piece of him and being able and willing to, to give them a good experience uh, while still having that job to do, yeah, I I'd met him several
0: times, and he was just more than cordial. And everybody that I've encountered that that also had an experience with Ryan said that uh, he was just a, a, a first
1: class guy. No question. Yeah, he uh, he uh, he used to. Von Joshua was our hitting coach uh, that season, and and you know, Ryan grew up in Spokane, Washington. And Vaughn played minor league baseball in Spokane before he went up to the Dodgers. Uh, And Sandberg used to tell Vaughn all the time about how he remembered being one of those kids waiting to get his autograph uh, when he came to see him play when he was a kid uh, and and seemed to remember how cool that was. And especially for kids, he was, he was terrific and and took a little bit of extra time knowing that that was how the game, that's how the game grows and building the next generation of fans and, um, Giving them something to give them something to shoot for. Uh, speaking of autographs, Randy, wh- what
0: will be the policy? Uh, even though we're still in the midst of a, a pandemic, and hopefully it, it's winding down, and and eventually we'll we'll be free of it. But what what does that do to th- those kids that want to get autographs this season? Are there going to be different? Policies intact to, to help do that, or or are they not going to be
1: allowed to sign? Just just what's going on with that? Uh, last year we could not facilitate any of that. Um, the protocols were, were pretty strict. Uh, they have not made a final decision as to how what the major league policy on that is going to be. Um, they want to wait and see and not decide too soon. Uh, you know, hope as you said, hoping that uh, we've reached the peak uh, here of, of, of Omicron, and we've learned a lot with vaccines and and, and the different precautions that we can take to limit uh, the severity of it. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever eliminate uh, things that don't make people feel well, uh, but we can certainly eliminate uh, massive loss of life in, in some of the things we've learned over the last couple of years. So they're not going to make a policy too quickly as to what public interaction could and should look like. Um, so if we're allowed, you know, we'll do our best to facilitate that. Certainly in the meantime of the pandemic, you know, we've added the extra safety netting for Major League Baseball regulations to uh, go further down the line. So some of those things were going to be more challenging, if even if we never heard of COVID-19 uh, and the coronavirus. But uh, we've got a great creative team, and we'll look for ways within our Kids Club program and, and other opportunities to uh, you know, make the players uh, accessible to the best of our ability. It's you know, our our job. High school sports are really popular in Iowa, mostly because you know somebody uh, participating in them, and 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 a- athletics are more fun when you're you feel like you know the people who are are competing. You know, and and our players aren't necessarily local kids uh, or local men, uh, but it is our job to to try to give you a chance to know who they are. Uh, and what they're about, even if they're not going to be the next great star for the, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Taylor Davis is a, a great example of that, and how he embraced uh, you know, being a, a person that uh, people could relate to and enjoy, uh, even though he wasn't necessarily the best player in our team at any given time. So uh, we'll do our best to facilitate, facilitate those opportunities as we go along, but it's probably going to look a little bit different than it has in, in the past and uh, we're we're learning how to fly by the seat of our pants, pretty good. I I can imagine now. Uh,
0: in the way of uh, promotions, which minor league teams are are known for their promotion nights at the ballpark, what does this pandemic do to that? And and if it hasn't impacted it that much, what what types of promotions are you folks offering the fans
1: this season? Oh, we're going to return to a, a lot more day games again. Uh, you know, we got away from that, uh, because uh, group sales uh, and people working from home and all the things that the pandemic did, uh, limited our ability to let people bring the office out to a game and sit together, uh, for camaraderie and team building and entertaining clients and all the things that those day games represent that have been become really popular, um, in our community. So we didn't schedule very many last year, uh, knowing that schools couldn't come out, um, businesses we're not going to be able to come out in as in as great a number so we'll return to a lot more day games this year our friday night fireworks uh, will will remain our our sunday specials of running the bases and uh bringing uh food pantry items uh for uh free tickets uh, for general admission on sundays our, our bike to the ballpark opportunities uh, all that return uh, and then saturday we're looking to uh Uh, Add some new wrinkles. Uh, We're working with Caitlin Clark from the University of Iowa. Now that we have the name, image, likeness uh, opportunity, we brought her to a game last year. and We'll do that again this year and and looking at some giveaway opportunities that go along with the University of Iowa theme and and her uh, and celebrate uh, her success uh, as a local product. Uh, We've got Clark the Cub, uh, the Chicago Cubs mascot, coming back again. Uh, major league baseball and minor league baseball have developed a partnership with Marvel uh, that we'll be part of presenting Marvel nights. That'll include some theme night uh, jerseys and some Avenger type activity. And we'll have some characters at the ballpark. And I know uh, that's popular with a lot of kids and, and families. Uh, we're going to continue with our COPA program and our, our celebration of uh, Latino heritage uh, of baseball in our community and the, the demonios, uh, which has become really popular. And that, comes with live music and, and different things on the games that, that we put those on. And we're developing a few other giveaway mm-hmm. ideas and, and, and other things to, to go along with that too. So uh, you can look for some interesting things on Saturday, including some of the staples uh, and then developing our, our Thursday night program and our new Bedford sports left field lounge. The former Cub club restaurant uh, is now a premium area in the ballpark and the patio outside as places to play bags and uh, we'll do some live music and darts and all sorts of fun things and a great place to hang out uh, watch the game and create a, a, a social atmosphere to uh, help kick off the weekend for all of our, our downtown neighbors uh, and and people coming uh, from across the metro uh, on a Thursday night so uh, we feel good about what we have so far uh, we'll probably be releasing that in the next couple of weeks on our website and then look to add a few more things uh, over the course uh, of the summer as well as as we can so um, we're, we're we're excited about what we have to offer. Certainly, the uh, supply chain problems that the world is facing is causes some some hiccups with um, giveaway planning. Uh, our Demonios bobbleheads that we're doing August didn't show up till October uh, last year, even though we beat the deadline by three weeks to have everything in. Uh, you know, so some of that is held up a little bit, but in due time, that'll all come back around too. Now,
0: uh, one of the more popular Iowa Cubs players uh, from the past. Uh, was Turk Wendell and and uh, my understanding is that, that he's moved uh, to Iowa now is there any plans to perhaps have him back or other retired players for any kind of uh,
1: interaction with fans uh, he was back I think in 19 he moved back and he was here for a couple of games uh, and kind of comes and goes if we can get him out of the deer stand or off the lake uh, <laughs> the things that that he's enjoying. Um, you know, he's, he's certainly a friend of the organization and we have some some contact with him. Uh, and so he, he just kind of pops in. He might you never know who he might be in front of you getting a hot dog at a concession stand, even if we don't ask him to, to come in. So uh, 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 some of that is kind of wait and see based on you know, what, what are the right thing to do in terms of uh, uh, public settings for, for meeting people and, and who's comfortable with that kind of stuff whether it's him or Casey Blake or Jeremy Hellickson uh, guys from the area who went on to play Major League Baseball or former I Cubs that uh, uh, come back for for whatever reason Uh, you know we we always kind of keep our our finger on the pulse of those things Joel Hanrahan was here as a coach with Indianapolis last year he's from uh, Norwalk and and we did a bobblehead for him a few years ago and was a pitching coach uh, in the Pirates system so he was back for uh, a couple of series last year in, in that capacity. There, there always seems to be a, a, a draw and a tug for those guys to come back whenever possible. And, and when we can let people know about it, uh, we, we certainly will. I I, uh,
0: I know that Turk had a son that was pretty prominent pitcher and was uh, uh, perhaps a draft choice, Do you know, and then I kind of, you know, the pandemic, it just created such a, a blur for the for the sport. Do you know if he did, in fact, get drafted, or is he uh,
1: uh, signed with anybody? I'm Not certain. Uh, I, I, I don't... Um, now that you mention it, it does sound familiar that he had a, a son, I think, who was looking to go to college, maybe, um, the last time that I had a chance to interact with him. But like you mentioned, that was probably two, three years ago, so... Uh, eligibility rules and things have, have all been pretty fluid with that. So I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know all the particulars there, but uh, I'm certain it would be a great thrill if he ended up coming through here, e- even as an opponent uh, for, for their family.
0: We're talking uh, with our guest today, Randy Wayhofer, uh, who is the voice of the Iowa Cubs. Randy, I know uh, last season I, I had a chance to uh, catch several games uh, on the Marquise channel, as you said, and, and uh, you sometimes had a female uh, guest uh, uh, announcer with you. Is that going to be the case again this year where maybe you're able to televise a few more games and, and have some guests in the booth with you that way?
1: Yeah, so Elise Menneker, uh, who's part of the Marquise Sports, uh, she's a sideline reporter for a lot of Chicago Cubs games and does some studio work. Uh, She played professional softball for a little bit after being an All-American at at, uh, Cornell, I believe, is where she went. Uh, Cornell or Columbia, one of those two really smart schools out east. Uh, But she's a Chicagoland area native, uh, and she's really good. She knows the game. She's really smart. Um, And, uh, yeah, she sat in with Alex on the broadcasts uh, last year. Uh, We did the first couple uh, where we were simulcasting the radio broadcast uh, with the TV stream, uh, but people are accustomed to hearing an analyst uh, in the booth, and we talked to Marquis about uh, how can we, you know, merge the two brands together, and uh, for the people on on television, uh, blend in uh, another voice uh, for that. And they rep- recommended Elise, and I thought she did a terrific job. Uh, so the plan would be for her to to be part of that again, and uh, in, in, con- in conjunction with her her duties uh, with Chicago Cuts broadcasts on on Marquis, you know. So it, between her and and Taylor McGregor, they're they're part of every Chicago Cubs game. So for people that follow both teams, you know, you see her in both places, just like the players who get called up and, and sent down. That's one of the, the cool things about AAA is you come to Principal Park or you watch one of our games on Friday, and one of the guys you saw playing or one of the gals you heard broadcasting will be on your TV from Wrigley Field on Saturday. Um, and, and that's part of the thrill of, of AAA baseball. So um, we, we expect uh, – we have not – uh, because of the, the pending lockout marquee doesn't know exactly what their needs are going to be. Should the major league baseball season start on time, uh, we'll probably have between 15 and 20 games on marquee again next year. It was about 14 last year. And if, and if the lockout were to linger into the regular season for some, some reason, we're not hoping for it, but I imagine we'd probably be on a lot more uh, because they'll, they'll be looking for that programming and, you know, the, Schedule of games they carry of ours uh, directly relates to how our game times coordinate with the time the Chicago Cubs are, are playing on that same day. So uh, I, I expect that to be uh, something that people will uh, be able to continue to be part of their habit uh, of how you could follow along with, with what's happening with the I Cubs and the, and the Chicago Cubs all summer.
0: And, and uh, help me out again here. I, I couldn't hear uh, you pronounce this woman's name that was in the booth with you, it's Elise. Menager. Elise, Elise, Monica. Yeah, and with no disrespect to you, because you're an amazingly handsome
1: young man, Elise, just a lot prettier than you. I got a face for radio. That's why I've been on radio my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when I was a regular, and I live an hour
0: away from Des Moines now. But there was a time when I was at Principal Park. On a pretty regular basis, I remember in the souvenir stand, which is always loaded with just great Cubs memorabilia, uh, that you used to sell broken bats and uniforms, you used uniforms out
1: of there. Is that something that still happens or not? Um, broken bats, probably a little less of, um, just because, uh, you know, all the players have their own bat deal now. Uh, so those bats belong to us before the players broke them so we could take them back after they were done. Uh, they don't use many of the uh, uh, team-issued bats any longer. So we do some of that, not a lot. Um, but certainly game used jerseys uh, of things that we've replaced. Uh, we'll replace our, our blue jerseys with a new version uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, we're going to incorporate a new logo that we unveiled last October for the, the home hat uh, onto the chest emblem of, of the new blue jersey instead of the walking bear logo. Uh that that uh, so we'll have those old ones and probably some of them in the store uh for sale at that time and we've got other replica jerseys and uh and different things. So every once in a while some game used um stuff appears in there. Um, you know, but it's just based on availability and, and what we've uh rotated out of uh to be used on the field. We don't get all new uniforms every year. Uh, we usually get one of the different styles of jerseys uh, ordered new each season uh, and, and turn them over in a in a rotation uh, as they get washed and faded and uh, worn th- over the course of years. And those blue ones tend to be replaced a little bit more often. That, that darker color fades a little bit quicker. You can always tell which ones the catchers wore. They're about three shades lighter uh, from all the hard work and, and things they do behind the plate compared to the – middle relievers who uh, sit with their jackets on in the bullpen and, and, and pitch an inning or two a week.
0: Well, and I know sometimes uh, you'll have an auction right there in the uh, concourse mm-hmm. where uh, folks can bid on some of those items with
1: the proceeds going to uh, charitable organizations. Yep. Yeah, we'll continue those. Um, yeah. We, 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 Try to be pretty diligent about uh, some of the top prospects that come through with other other teams. Uh, we we uh, offer them uh, either payment or a donation to something they, they care about to sign a dozen baseballs for us that uh, we can use in those auctions in addition to the players that come through or uh, when Fergie Jenkins brings some uh, of his friends with for signing stuff for his foundation for a weekend over the summer. Uh, you know they'll, they'll do some extra for us that we can use on on those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, we continue to do those. Those are, uh, those are fun. And, 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 and people seem to really enjoy the opportunity to, uh, to, to get their hands on, on some of those things. And our, our, uh, with our new ownership, we'll, we'll be creating a new 501 C3, uh, that will have a similar mission probably to, to the old one. But hey guys, we're, uh, we're
2: out of time for part one. Hang in there. And we'll just do another part. If you can stay with us, Randy. Welcome back to Round Guy, the Podcast, Part Two of the interview with Iowa Cubs voice Randy Wayhofer.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody. Randy, welcome back to you, and thank you for your time. Uh, as we closed out the first segment, you mentioned the new owners. Let's talk a little bit about the new owners. Have you had a chance to meet with them? Uh, do you have a flavor for what they're like? What? kind of changes if any they want to make Uh, I understand the first thing they did was retain Sam Burnaby and and that was a good move I was I was happy to hear that Sam Burnaby uh, has been a part of the Iowa Cubs ever since I can remember and he's just a wonderful fella and does a great job so for them to hang on to him I think that was a good start but what else uh, can you tell us about the new owners and what changes
1: if any they may make? Sure. Uh, Yeah. So uh, not just Sam. Certainly that was an important um, step for uh, all 10 teams that that they purchased. Uh, The general manager was asked to stay uh, and certainly at the top of their list here because of the local continuity uh, that Sam brings. As as you mentioned, this will be year 39 for Sam uh, with the team uh, going back to starting as an intern and working his way up to the general manager and, and, and president. So Diamond Baseball Holdings is the company that bought these 10 teams, including us. Uh, Michael Gartner was not actively looking to sell the team, uh, but this group has a relationship with Major League Baseball through Learfield uh, and selling some national marketing rights uh, with the commissioner's office on behalf of minor league baseball. Uh, they're also uh, uh, owned Fanatics, so that bought tops and will be the baseball card provider uh, for Major League Baseball. So, As they developed these different relationships, they thought having some teams would be another way that uh, they could uh, work with baseball and and impact the game. Um, And and Michael, at 83 years old, uh, talked with them and and felt that their plan was was reasonable. That uh, uh, you know that it it was a good opportunity as a seller and a good opportunity as a buyer and a good opportunity then for for us uh, in the meantime. So not just Sam, but all of our full time staff has been retained in the roles that we we know how to do. Uh, the CEO of Diamond Baseball Holdings is a guy named Peter Freund, who owned the team in Memphis, who also sold into this group. So we know him very well from our dealings in the Pacific Coast League. Uh, and and so he is going to be uh, at the top coordinating uh, with Sam and the other general managers uh, uh, for what are the things that we can collaborate on as, as a group. Uh, but the mission for us is business as usual. You know, they understand that Uh, You can't cookie cutter, minor league baseball operations, what will work in Oklahoma City won't necessarily work in Des Moines, and not everything in Des Moines translates to San Jose, California, or to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and and the different locations that that they're in. So uh, they want to create a a hyper-local focus on the front end uh, and ask us to keep doing the things that people love uh, here in central Iowa. And then on the back end, to look for ways that we can save money by working together as a team, whether it's our ticket suppliers or other vendors or, or things and, and stuff that fans have never thought about or care about, uh, quite honestly. If, if you come to the ballpark and you feel that something is much different, it's because me and Sam had a new idea or because we messed up somehow that day when you came and, and we'll do our best to fix it. They're not asking us to, to reinvent the wheel uh, because there's, there's no reason to. Now, over time, Will things evolve and change? Certainly, uh, we're not the same organization we were 10 years ago, uh, and Michael owned it the, the whole time. You know, the going to digital ticketing and a cashless ballpark and adding metal detectors and new logos, the, these are things that we've done over the past few years uh, under Michael's direction, uh, and we'll continue to have to be smart and, and proactive about how we best serve fans and create the best experience we can at the ballpark uh, going forward. Uh, and there will be some physical changes to the stadium. Uh, we're required by Major League Baseball in our new agreement to meet some facility standards that are, that are measured and, and calculated. Um, that work was started uh, under greater Des Moines baseball company and will, and continues under D V H Iowa. So as, as the sale unfolds, uh, but that's led by the city of Des Moines uh, and their master plan design uh, that they've taken is uh, we are a, a city park. Uh, so, Um, things are going to change because they always have and always will. Uh, But I'm encouraged by the things that that I'm hearing uh, from the people that I've met uh, that are part of the new group, uh, that they understand enough about baseball uh, to know that there's not just one right way to to do minor league baseball in each of our markets. Uh, I think they have great trust for Sam uh, and Sam has great trust in us as a staff to, know what's best for uh, what's happening here or, or at least think we do and then learn from uh, the handful of mistakes we make but we have some pretty good tried and true methods of, of things that people like along the way too um, so I'm encouraged uh, I, I think that uh, I will miss uh, not having Michael at the uh, end of the hall to bounce ideas off of because he's a wonderfully smart man and a, a great boss and a terrific human being um, but I think you know we can work smartly and, and intelligently and, and have a good relationship with with the new folks too so um, I, I, I think it's I think it's going to be a good thing over time and, and I think people will uh, notice very little uh, other than whatever their relationship with Michael was and and how he personally impacted their their visit to the ballpark as the owner of the team uh, but I think for the casual fan they shouldn't notice much different and Michael will still be around as a season ticket holder and as a fan. So uh, I I think people won't notice too much of a change at all. It's certainly not immediately.
0: Randy Wayhofer is our guest, the voice of the Iowa Cubs. And uh, Randy, one of the benefits of minor league baseball is is the price tag. Uh, Always cheaper than than the major league parks. And that's unfortunate. But yet, uh, some of these new ballparks they got to figure out a way to pay for them and uh it seems like many of them come up with new concession kinds of items each year uh unfortunately those two are are uh, coming with a a heftier price shall we say and kind of locked out some of the average families and an ability to bring a family to the major league park buy a ticket uh buy some uh, food at the concession stands and souvenirs that kind of thing uh what if any changes are going on with the concessions Is there anything new and or hopefully uh the prices uh, remaining the same could you give us a lowdown on some of that
1: yeah you know, there's always a handful of new things that we experiment with we haven't they haven't rolled out the whole new menu there's some Leadership changes uh, in process uh, for our concession partner. Uh, that again will be behind the scenes kinds of kinds of things, um, you know. But uh, we we have not raised any prices. Uh, you know, we didn't raise any prices from 19 into 21 and missing 20. Uh, there'll probably be some slight fluctuations based on. You know, what it costs, you know, if they raise the price of hot dogs uh, for us to buy them, then we'll probably have to raise the price of hot dogs to sell them uh, in in the process to keep things in line. But there's nothing that is going to move by a, a noticeable amount um, uh, in in anything. Uh, you know, we try really hard to find the right balance, um, you know, and, and there is a difference between folks who are looking at general admission tickets as opposed to folks who are looking to rent a suite. Uh, and try to offer some, for something for everyone um, somewhere in the middle. It's hard to be all things to all people at all times, uh, but over the course of, of 75 home games, we do try to find a little something that overlaps with something that you care about besides the baseball game uh, to make coming to the ballpark a fun time. That's why we do dog days and that's why we do um, different different promotions uh, to try to overlap with the different things that you're, you're passionate about. But, uh, you know, we uh, there are, are places uh, in the market where you don't have to look too hard uh, through partners of ours to get buy one get one free tickets. Our, our family four pack on on Sunday gets you four tickets and and food included for a reasonable price to to come into the game. Oh, yeah. um, very, very you know, great. so there's there's always something going on um, that uh, if you look for it just a little bit uh, will give you a, a pretty good deal to come to to come to Principal Park.
0: Uh,
1: uh, you know, certainly there are. Expenses to be met and playing tickets to move the team to road teams to buy and, and the cost of doing business goes up over time. But uh, we, we do our best in all things possible to find uh, at least an avenue to make it as inclusive an experience uh, for everybody that we can. Now, does that mean that it's uh, everybody can get a suite? Uh, probably not. Um, but uh, uh, You know, that that's why there's 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 different offers. Uh, I love baseball and I never did anything but have an upper deck seat going to chicago cup games once a year with my family uh growing up in a working class home so i understand how that goes and, and we're we're certainly aware of it and and do our best with it uh and and try to find different options uh for as many different budgets and and desires as as we possibly can without making it so confusing that nobody understands anything that we have to offer
2: Hey, uh, the attendance is really great. Uh, you know, I've been going to Iowa Cubs games for over 50 years. In fact, the, the first time I ever saw it was the Iowa uh, Oaks then. Uh, Joe Rudy was playing. Gene Tennis was playing. Tony La Russa was a player, then later a manager. Uh, but I, I tell you, one of the greatest experiences I ever had at an Iowa Cubs game was when I came back from the Army. Uh, I My grandpa had called the stadium and uh, I was sitting there, and Greg Maddox was pitching against, I think it was Syracuse or Toronto Blue Jays team, and uh, they, they read my name right across the, uh, the scoreboard. It said, "Welcome back, uh, Specialist Johnson." You know that that was a uh, a really uh, touching moment for me.
1: And we try to focus on uh, those kinds of experiences. Uh, you know, we probably our, our promotional calendar probably has less stuff on it in terms of, uh, you know, handkerchiefs and uh, scarves and things that, that maybe other teams give away. Uh, but we look for what are the things that you can do at the ballpark that you can't do anywhere else. Uh, that's why we let kids run the bases on Sunday. It's why we run, run uh, play catch in the outfield on Saturdays. So we do our salute to service program uh, where before every game uh, we uh, with our sponsor Central Iowa Mechanical, they, they provide tickets to the whole family and honor service people, whether it be military, police, teachers, whoever uh, is, is serving their community. Uh, the bike to the ballpark option uh, and the things that we have going on, uh, the kids club getting to do a clinic once a year and, and take batting practice on the field. Uh, that's why we let 22 people throughout a ceremonial first pitch on Friday's. Uh, looks like a big dog and pony show, but it's uh, a memory of a lifetime for those those 22 people that get to stand out there and, and do that. So um, we're really focused in our promotional efforts about what happens when you're at the ballpark that doesn't happen anywhere else in your life that you could go uh, to create that kind of, of memorable experience. So I, I'm happy to hear that uh, that that was a memory made for you uh, that made you a lifelong uh, fan of the game and, 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 and come into the ballpark. And, and we try to do that, uh, just as often as we can.
2: Hey, Steve, who was your favorite player that ever played there in Des Moines?
1: I had the uh,
0: pleasure to meet Mark Fidrich. Oh. Uh, he was in town with the, the opposing team. I think I want to say it might've been Toledo.
2: Evansville. But, but,
0: uh, the bird. I saw the bird. I saw I him pitch
2: it. in Des Moines. He threw a one-hitter.
0: I can't. I didn't hear you.
2: I said, I saw Mark Fidrich pitch in Des Moines, and he pitched a one-hitter that day, and Jim Leland was the manager.
0: There you go. There you go. You have a better memory than I do, Dave. Uh, Randy Wehofer is our is our guest. Randy, I got a hell of an idea for a promotion. I'm going to offer to take it for what you want. Uh, you you want all right okay uh you got a ball club coming into des moines for a three-game series all right up until the third game it's a split so you got the rubber game correct
1: yes well we play all six game series now but i'm with you so far
0: all right it's the rubber game so it's uh prophylactic day (laughs) Huh? what do you think uh
1: I'm not sure that one will make the cut. That might be a different audience than uh, what, what we're, we're typically after at the ballpark. Well, not a bad I threw that better. idea around and got a similar reaction. So
0: I don't, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath uh, for you folks there to use
1: it, but I thought it might be clever. I thought you were going to give everybody a pitcher's rubber uh, to take with them so we can, you know, develop the next closer and, and great starting pitcher. Well, and, and, uh, when you have Fergie Jenkins or Turk
0: Wendell in there to sign them, that might work. But I was, uh, I was thinking more along the, the, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, sex ed type of thing. You know what I mean?
1: We're probably not the best source uh, for that kind of education.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it was a thought. Randy, (laughs) I'm, I'm certainly appreciative of your time. Always eager to talk baseball. You know, back to uh, these concession ideas and these the new these new ideas at some of the major league parks. What do you think Babe Ruth would have thought of uh, sushi
1: at the ballpark? I'm not sure Babe turned down about anything. Uh, you know, so I, I, uh, if he could eat it, he probably did. Um, and and there again, I think. I, I think what we're getting into uh, from a marketing standpoint and the things that we talk about is uh, I don't expect everybody to love it. Um, but if there's a handful of people out there that weren't coming to the game because they don't like hot dogs and I can offer them, they're going to come to a game just because I offered that. You know, if I sell three servings of that at a game uh, and it got me 300 more people over the course of, of Uh, of the season. And one of them became a season ticket holder five years down the line because they really enjoyed the ballpark. And I tried a little bit harder to give them something that meant something to them. Um, You know, we we think it's worth it. I, I I have done this long enough to know I can't please everybody all the time. Uh, But if I can uh, throw together enough things that make you go, uh, can you believe, you know, they're really doing that. I want to go see what that's all about. Um, Maybe you find the thing that you like a whole lot better uh, because I got your attention with something a little bit crazy. Um, That's uh, why
0: you can always count on the minor league teams to come up with those type of promotions because of just what you said. Plus, you know, they really have to have a hook to have people come out and, and, uh, you know, buy a ticket and and watch the game support the team.
1: Uh, I have no control over over whether or not we're any good. You know, at the major league level, the general manager's job is to try to field a winning team. Uh, I got nobody that works in my office that's in charge of fielding a winning team. Uh, And I've got nobody in my office, as good as Sam is, who's figured out how to make sure the weather's pretty good uh, every time we have a home game. Uh, You know, so if it was 72 and sunny and we were in first place, we wouldn't do any of that stuff. You know, everybody would have my job and, and it would be easy. Um, you know, so the, the, the two most important factors, uh, that people think about when they come to the game, is the team any good and how's the weather? I have no control over. Um, so we'd spend all of our time, uh, trying to figure out a way that you leave happy in case we lost 10 to one. And it was 48 degrees and a little misty, uh, on, on a Wednesday, uh, when we in and walk off home run and it's 80 degrees on a fireworks night and I'm really smart. Uh, and all, all the ideas, uh, are, are pretty good, um, and when it's that, that easy, we we appreciate it, but uh, over the course of a long season, we're going to have some days where we're going to need to distract you uh, from the final score and, and from the weather a little bit, uh, and that's where we come in to try to come up with all the ways to, to make that that balance so that uh, when you leave here, even if the I-Cups lost that day, there was something about the experience that made it worth the couple of hours that you invested uh, and, and would be willing to come back and, and try it again when we get to start at 0, Zero again that day. So uh, that's really the whole goal for, for what our staff's trying to do. Well said.
0: Well said, Randy. Randy uh, Wehofer as our guest. Randy, you're a baseball guy. It certainly sounds like it, and, and uh, I like you already, Okay. Uh, Let me fire a few questions at you. Just give me, you know, off the top of your head, uh, your response, okay? Okay. Uh, Your favorite baseball movie? The Natural. Okay. uh, Can you get me tickets to the Cubs-Cardinals Field of Dreams game?
1: I can't get myself tickets to the Cubs-Cardinals Field of Dreams game. Uh, So, probably, probably not. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought uh
0: what what are the insights to that uh i mean it's obviously going to involve you more so than it did last summer uh but but what if by then the cubs uh, the major leagues haven't you know figured out a way to coexist what uh what's going to happen to that game with the minor with minor leaguers come in and play that
1: well, uh, we were told that it is not a coincidence. Uh, uh, actually, you, you almost had me convinced there. I forgot that they're playing the Reds um, that day. And we are hosting the Louisville team, which is the Reds affiliate, that same day here. and uh, and ah. told that that's not a coincidence. Now, how we overlap, I do not know. Uh, it may be a TV thing. It may be, who knows? So uh, we're, we're told that that wasn't a coincidence, and they have plans to try to grow that uh, again, but nothing specific has been uh, put together, at at least that they've shared with me uh, at this time as to to how that's going to go.
0: Now, do you know anything at this point uh, about ticket availability? Would there be a chance to go through the iCup ticket office? Uh, Is it a lottery again? or Do you know anything about
1: that? Uh, it's uh, that's a major league ticket to sell. Uh, You know, we gave away some tickets to the white Sox Yankees game last year. uh, And those were tickets that we were given the opportunity to buy at face value uh, to give away to our fans to help promote the game uh, and to draw people to the ballpark for the chance to, to win those. So uh, that will all run through major league baseball. I am certain we will not have any tickets uh, to sell for that on our own uh, and, if they have some promotional opportunity that they're willing to uh, to let us do, we will shout it from the highest mountain we can to get as many people involved as we can. But uh, I think it's too soon to, to tell on all of those things. Sure.
0: Now, when you say you had a, a few uh, tickets to sell at face value, what
1: what was the face value? Uh, I think they were $325 a piece. We bought them and we gave them away um, as a promotion. So if you came to the ballpark that night, we drew uh, four winners for four pairs uh, of tickets that we bought. Uh, so it didn't cost the people that won anything, uh, but they didn't give them to us to give away. We we bought them. I see.
0: Well, my understanding is that that uh, there were uh, several different levels of tickets to purchase for the Field of Dreams game, and some of them were you know a couple of thousand and. and you know, nine hundred and eight hundred, and and that there were various prices uh, on the face of
1: the ticket. Yeah, was cheap. Yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, there was only nine thousand seats. They sat less at that game than we do here. Um, you know, so they they had by the time they took care of you know the White Sox and the Yankees and and uh, Fox and and all of their partners in that there wasn't you know a lot of left over uh, for for what was going on. So. It, it was a premium price because it was it was going to be a premium opportunity. Uh, very few people can say that they had the chance to be there that night in the grand scheme of things. It was wonderful television and a wonderful event, and all of the things that I talked about that we can't control, that they can't control either, worked out spectacularly. They couldn't have a better game. They couldn't have had a better night uh, from the weather and the sunset and all of the things that, that happened. Uh, it was It was all perfect.
0: Sure. But as a Yankee fan, it could have ended a little
1: bit better. <laughs> well, one side's always disappointed in that in that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. What about the Field of Dreams? It makes sense to me that you've been there? I have. I've been to the site a couple it, of times.
1: And your thoughts on it are what? Uh, you know, it's it is uh, the Field of Dreams game last year for Major League Baseball and, and the Field of Dreams site uh, just kind of sums up why baseball for all of its issues, um, is still, uh, as popular and as meaningful as it is to people, because there is an emotional connection, uh, that people make with baseball that they don't make with other sports. Um, baseball players are more like the rest of us. Um, you know, to have to play in the NFL, the NBA, you had to have won the genetic lottery. If you meet an NBA or an NFL player, you look at them and realize that you had no chance to uh, ever uh, participate with them athletically on a, on a field. They were born differently than the rest of us. When you meet a professional baseball player, you might be taller than them. You might be, uh, uh, you know, stronger than them. Uh, you know, the, the people can still sit at the baseball game and think, now, if my high school coach liked me better, maybe I would have had my chance, even though you're delusional when you think that way. Um, yeah, people still relate to it differently. It's why people get so mad um, about the steroid scandal. Heck, Junior Seau got suspended four games for taking steroids in the middle of a season and still made the Pro Bowl that year. Uh, we hold that against guys for the rest of their life in, in baseball because it feels like you cheated the system. It's not a gladiator sport. Uh, and, and the emotional connection, the family and all the things that Field of Dreams is about, and that's what that game was. It was it was, a combination of, of that emotional attachment that people connect to the game that makes the game special uh, and that allows you to participate no matter what your skill level was. Uh, as a kid, you didn't have to be a great athlete. It's a skill game uh, to be able to run into one and, and have a good hit or what have you. Um, uh, there's just something about it um, that is more relatable uh, than the other sports. Uh, with the everyday nature of the game, I don't practice my job six days a week, stay in a hotel on Saturday and be really good at it for three hours on Sunday. I got to figure out a way to be really good at my job pretty much every day, and that's baseball. Uh, and every day is not equal. Uh, it's just more relatable. And I think Field of Dreams sums that up really well. in uh, the emotional uh, conjuring that it gives in people uh, for what it represents, uh, and then and then the game itself, and it's it's the best combination of nostalgia and magic and, and competition.
0: Randy, that's very well said. You remind me of Bob Costas. You're very good at what you do, and you mentioned steroids. Let's spend a moment on that, because that the uh, Hall of Fame just voted in uh, some players, uh, some some old-timers, and then Big Poppy here, the most recent. Uh, And conspicuously, without enough votes to gain entry into Cooperstown, are some of these steroid uh, fellows, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, you know, some other fellow, Raphael Parmiro. What is your take on... On those guys, as well as uh, Pete Rose with his uh, band from baseball, what are your thoughts as a younger baseball fan than many of us old-timers? I've often thought that that for some of these guys to be voted in, it's some of these old-time sports writers that vote are going to have to pass away before maybe some of these newer sports writers come up and have a bit more forgiving approach to some of these players and their ballots. Uh, But, but I, I'd be appreciative if you could visit a little bit, a little bit about your thoughts on this.
1: Uh, There are two entirely separate issues for me between the steroids and, and Pete Rose. So I'll, I'll tackle the steroid question to the best of my ability first. Um, I still have mixed emotions about it. Um, there are no amount of steroids that I could have taken to have turned me into a major league baseball player. Um, so on one hand, uh, I don't think it took people that were no good and made them great. Um, for a long time, I underestimated the ego of the great player, as to why they even needed it. You know, and I think a lot of that is hard for us to understand. You know, the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were so good before these things became readily available, why did they even need to take them in the first place? Um, And you just underestimate the ego of even the guys who were at the top of that game. I I thought for the 25th man on the roster, if there was no test and there was no consequences, if the difference between making the major league uh, minimum being the worst guy in the major league team uh, was, Uh, taking something that wasn't punishable, and and that was the difference between being in the minor leagues and being the best guy at AAA, Um, I think that's a really hard ethical question for people to answer. But it seems like the top players took it as as much as the bottom, which was always confusing to me, uh, even being around uh, athletes. So um, I, I think the slippery slope with steroids comes down to the fact that we don't know that the players who are getting in were any less guilty than the players were keeping out. And I think it's just clear that Harry Bonds and Roger Clemens didn't have any time for the media, and that was their personality, and they were kind of crass about it. Same way Aaron Rodgers is uh, in, in the NFL right now. They didn't embrace being part of the process. And this is the human reaction to people wanting to punish them uh, for not giving them the respect that they thought they were doing. It's all really personal.
2: Hey, Randy, can you stay on for a little more, another segment? Because we're out of time on this one. Okay, We're back. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to say a little something about the steroids and stuff. For one, uh, it wasn't illegal, you know, during the time that most of them played. For two, David Ortiz was a steroid user, and he's elected for some reason. And to have a Hall of Fame that doesn't have the guy with the most hits or the guy with the most home runs seems a little ridiculous to me. What are you guys has thought about that?
1: Well, Randy, you go ahead and finish up. Yeah. I, I just think that the, you know, you can't, you know, hall of fame is a museum and you can't write the history of the game without acknowledging uh, the role that those guys played. Um, so uh, I, I, and those guys have made their living. You know, there was once a time where being in the hall of fame was the difference between, Making money and not making money in your post-playing career—that doesn't matter anymore either. Uh, I think if you can't tell the story of baseball without uh, including that player, then they need to be represented in in, in the Hall of Fame. Um, and and it, it just—it's human—it's a human nature thing. Um, so I, I I wouldn't be. Uh, I would not be turned off to baseball if Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were in the Hall of Fame, uh, and I'm not turned off to baseball that they're not. I understand the context of, of who's making that choice and what the factors uh, they're making in, in it, and it says as much about the voter as it does the player, in my opinion. And what about Pete Rose? Pete, I have the opposite take on. Um, I don't care how many hits he had, and and everybody knows how many hits he had, Every single baseball clubhouse I've ever walked into in my life had a sign right at the front door that said, "If you bet on the game, you're done." He knew exactly what was happening, um, and he made a bet and he made a decision in a, uh, based on um, a bad decision, uh, and, and it was, there was enough evidence to, to do that. So, um, I, as a fan, uh, just like the football analogy that I made. You know, if, if there's something affecting the competition to, this, to the degree that the skill evolves, I can, I can understand that. Uh, you know, if this guy hits the ball 50 feet further because he took steroids than he would if he didn't, it's still probably going to be a home run. But if I can't trust that the integrity of the competition of that game is valid, that's going to be something that would turn me off from the game. Um, and I, I cannot abide by people participating on the field, players, managers, umpires, even people in my position, um, from having their money invested in the outcome of that game. And I am terrified by the way our current world works, um, as to the slippery slope we are creating in the partnerships, um, uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't come to the minor league level right now, but as an operator, uh, you know, if you're going to bet on the outcome of an Iowa Cubs game, there's a lot of factors that go into who wins and loses that don't have anything to do with whether the players were the right players in the right positions uh, or not. Uh, for the safety of the players and, and all the other things involved, uh, I have some concerns about all that could trickle down to the to the minor leagues. but uh, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for for, for Pete Rose. I, I think we understand what he was as a player um, but the decisions he made as, as a gambler I, I think he knew the consequences and made the decisions anyway and and I'm okay with him being left out of 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 all of that. And, and what about
0: we'd have to talk about shoeless Joe then as well uh, in the same conversation it's it seems like he may have been ignorant as to exactly what was going on and and let's face it played pretty well in 1919 do you think he he should be reviewed and allowed entry into the hall of fame
1: i just think it was so long ago that we have no idea whether or not you know uh you know the the interesting story about that whole scandal uh that i heard somewhat recently is there was some report that those bookmakers went to the Reds first and the Reds told them to get lost. Uh, you know, that there were you didn't have to do it. Um, you know, eight men out and the whole story, you know, the whole reason it's a, uh, it's a thing is because you aren't sure uh, if he did it or not, you know, and that's kind of the point of, you know, I, I mentioned my favorite baseball movie is *The natural and that's at the heart of it of who except, you know, who, who, who made the choice, uh, you know, Said I play to win, and, that's the, and that doesn't mean you succeed or fail. The, the astonishing thing to me is baseball is so unpredictable, and that's the beauty of it, that how you could guarantee that, you know, as a pitcher you're going to throw the ball down the middle, how the guy is guaranteed not to pop it up or to fly out to the warning track. I mean, uh, there's just no 100% strategy for success or failure. <laughs> there's lots of ways to screw up an easy pitch to hit. And there's a lot of ways to accidentally hit a really good pitch for an extra base hit. Um, and, 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 and that's the beauty of the game to me. So um, I just, I just think it's terribly important that if there's any doubt that the integrity of the game and the outcome of that game was in jeopardy uh, and you can prove it, uh, then, then that that's the consequence. And I'm okay with that.
2: Let, let me ask you about the Iowa uh, Hall of Fame, the Iowa Cubs Hall of Fame, Iowa Oaks Hall of Fame. Do you guys have one of those?
1: Not a formal one, no.
2: I know. Uh, you used to be with the Burlington Bees, didn't you?
1: Nine seasons, yes.
2: Yes, and they they have a little bit of a, a Hall of Fame. I know they inducted Vita Blue into the Hall of Fame. Could you tell me a little bit about some of the players that you were uh, impressed with when you were uh, in the A-ball there in Burlington and a little bit about uh, maybe a little sadness that they're not in association with Major League Baseball anymore? Well,
1: sure. I, I, You know, I was there from 1999 to 2007. Uh, we were at the White Sox my first two seasons and in the, in the Royals after that. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the players on that first team that I worked with was Mark Burley. Uh, he was a 160-pound junior college kid that showed up as a draft and follow a month into the season. Um, and you could tell there was something different about him uh, and just his demeanor. Uh, you know, he gets in, in, in retrospect, you know, working fast and throwing strikes and uh, you know, he, he just, he did all that from day one uh, and, and, and was terrific. I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was with the day we picked him up at the airport in Lansing, Michigan, because the ink ran out on my printer for my game notes in the hotel the night before. I called the bus driver and said, I need to go to the store tomorrow. And he goes, oh, we're picking up a new guy at the airport. Meet me and the trainer in the lobby at 10. Uh, so we went to the airport and Mark Early we were picking up. Uh, so I was one of the first people he met in his professional baseball career. One of the first things he had to do was wait in the bus while I went into the office depot and got some ink for my printer. Uh, and he ended up on a Wheaties box and throwing a perfect game and winning a World Series. So um, uh, you, you know, brought him luck. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I've met a few other guys that haven't gotten there. I won't just, <laughs> haven't gotten that good. So it can't just be me. Um, you know, he, he was pretty special. And then, uh, you know, the Royals days, um, uh, we had Luke Cochaver who was the number one overall pick, uh, turned into a good relief pitcher, but you know, as a number one overall pick, maybe wasn't the the guy, uh, that, uh, maybe everybody hoped. uh, I left just before they had, Cosmer and Perez and, and Mistakis—they were there in 2008, the year I came here. So I didn't get the chance to work with with them. Uh, Mike Sweeney came and did a rehab assignment, and was just unbelievable. Um, you know, he'll, that'll be a uh, a day I'll never forget. And the way he uh, he came to us and said, "Would you like us to? Would you like me to sign for some fans?" He was in the starting lineup, batting third. He signed until 20 minutes before the game started. Uh, went in the clubhouse and hit a home run in his first at bat. Uh, and just understood what it meant to give people an experience at the ballpark and uh, was just terrific with with everybody those couple of days that that he was there. Uh, And and I could tell you we could talk for another six hours about all the stories that uh, I have from there. It was a a terrific time in my personal and professional life. I'm so glad for the opportunity. Uh, But in a community that size, it's so hard uh, to be able to sustain the operation and the new rules of, of Major League Baseball. Um, it, it is unfortunate. Uh, I feel bad for all the good people who gave their heart and soul to, to be in there. There just wasn't enough of them on a daily basis to, to keep that thing going.
0: Randy Wayhoffer is our guest, uh, the voice uh, in the radio booth with the Iowa Cubs. Randy, uh, it, it makes sense from what we've discussed is that, and I said it earlier, you're a baseball guy. Uh, as a kid, I'm sure you collected baseball cards and tried to get uh, guys autographs and that kind of thing. Uh, Do you collect anything at this time relative to your
1: career in baseball? I I did collect cards as a kid. I've never been a big autograph guy. Um, You know, I I think when I I started into, um, you know, when I started my career and got access to the clubhouse and all the things that I had access to, Uh, became very, really clear to me that earning the respect of those players was much more important than anything that I could take home with me. Um, I love the fact that when I go to spring training, those guys come over and say hello and ask how I'm doing. And the the genuine relationships that you make uh, are more valuable to me than, than any autograph uh, that I could get. I have a couple, um, uh, but uh, it's not something I, you know, I, I go out of my way to to get. I just have been really fortunate to be um, in those experiences uh, where where I've had um, and and the opportunity to uh, you know, get a text back from someone. When Sam Fold became the general manager of the Phillies, I sent him a text to say congratulations. He actually answered, said thanks, Randy. How's Des Moines? Um, that's a bigger deal to me uh, than. Uh, than anything I might I might collect so the, the little boy in me likes to know the the information from cards and 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 seeing some of that stuff um I, I, I don't do a lot of it
0: there's got to be one player somewhere that you have idolized since you were a kid that if you were to meet that you would just fawn all over yourself and and just very meekly
1: say gosh could you
0: sign this ball isn't there
1: uh, I've gotten a chance to meet, uh, two of those guys. Uh, Bill Buckner was my first, uh, he was my favorite player, uh, as a kid. Uh, I played first base and, and stuff and, and, I had a chance to meet him. Um, and it was, uh, uh, he was actually at one of the winter banquets in Burlington that we brought him in. Uh, and I went back to MC and, and had a chance to meet him. Uh, and the other was Andre Dawson. Uh, you know, when I went to college at the university of Miami, Uh, He, uh, uh, he was with the Marlins then uh, after his time with the Cubs. So I saw Andre Dawson day at Wrigley field and uh, in Miami that year. And I saw him at the winter meetings and I didn't ask him for anything, but uh, I told my wife, I said, I I can't let this go. And I went over and I I introduced myself and I just told him how much I appreciated watching him play uh, and shook his hand. Uh, And I was probably one of a hundred that day, uh, you know, that, Uh, that's the way I I handled that. And uh, the last guy would be be Griffey. If I ever met Ken Griffey Jr., I'm I'm sure that would be, uh, you know, he was my guy Uh, after that, uh, kind of my college years of when I thought I might still be able to swing the bat a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, those are the three for me, and I met two out of the three. Good for
0: you. You know who my uh, want-to-meet guy is and would fawn all over? Who's that? You. (laughs)
2: yeah me too i have enjoyed this
0: conversation randy for the last hour or so uh you are a baseball guy you are as articulate as bob costas and and everything you've said has just been spot on you are an ambassador for the iowa cubs and i would like one day to shake your hand and visit with you a little bit
1: well next time you're at the ballpark i'll be here so uh let me know and uh, I'd, I'd be happy to spend a few more minutes uh, telling the stories that we can't tell here. Uh, and, uh, I, I have lived a charmed life uh, for the things that I've been able to do and, and see and be a part of and, and experience. I'm grateful for it every day. and, and If I can keep other, give other people uh, half of those opportunities uh, when they come here and, and do something special, uh, that, that's very satisfying. Well, you
0: count on it, sir. I know you'll be busy in the booth and whatnot, but at some point, don't be shocked if I uh, come up and and shake your hand and and remind you of our visit here today. Let me ask you this: Do you keep a journal of of, uh, some of the things that have gone on in your career and will you know down the road?
1: Uh, I've I've tried on a few different occasions actually put them on paper, and and I never get very Bar, raising two kids and other things that uh, pull my attention away, but um, sometime before my memory starts going, I, I hope to be able to put those down somewhere so when I forget them, uh, somebody else can tell them for me. Well, yeah, you'll have you'll have a record of it, so when your grandkids ask you
0: about you know being a, a radio guy for several teams and getting to know some of these players, that they'll be able to take as much uh, satisfaction out of that as we have in this last hour. You're you're a credit to the Iowa Cubs, sir, and, and we have enjoyed this conversation. And promise me, and we'll, we're taping so it'll be on record, that we will be able to talk with you again sometime, perhaps during the season when you've got an hour that you're free to do so.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm, I'm always up to talk baseball.
2: Perfect. Hey hey Randy. Uh we're always uh, up to listen. Before we let you go, uh Steve's about an hour away from you. I'm about two hours away from you. Uh if I I, I don't know what radio station you're on, but I, I can't get it. Uh I've streamed the games a few times. How how does it how does someone follow the team around the state that's not close?
1: Yeah, we're on AM nine forty. Uh so during the day we get almost statewide coverage. Uh we, we get it uh close. I think people in Burlington have heard the game. Uh, uh, but uh, IowaCubs.com. Uh, it's the free audio stream. Uh, there'll be links to to follow or the the game day app uh, for minor league baseball, and choose the Iowa Cubs as your favorite team, or, or just find us on the schedule. Uh, you can stream it through the app. Uh, stream it through the app there too.
0: And do you, do you have Facebook and Twitter and all those other uh, social media outlets that I have no idea about, but our listeners would?
1: Yeah, just uh Twitter at Randy Wayhofer W E H O F E R. Uh just my name. If you can there, uh, there's only four Wayhofers in the state of Iowa. They all live in my house. So, um, <laughs> if you can figure out how to spell it, uh, I'm not hard to find. Perfect. Hey, thanks, brother. We enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay.
2: All right, we're out.